Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to Lightning Rounds. This is a podcast about culture, life, and the Bible. And on this podcast, as you know, all of our discussions, they're guided by you, the listener. So send in a question, and um, you might just get featured. This is Zach here, and we wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a notice just for today's episode. Today's episode is awesome. Probably one of our favorite episodes that we've had in a long time. Just this question brought up such great discussion, (laughs) and our segment was hilarious. But before we get into it, sadly, we had some technical difficulties um, that were specifically on my end, on my mic. And when you listen to to the audio, you'll hear it. Um, on my mic, kind of skip around and, and, and jump. Everybody else's mic is doing really well, um, does well. And But yeah, I just ask for you guys to be patient and hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, thankfully, what I, mid-recording, I had to shut my computer off and restart it and jump back into the session with the guys. And once I did that, about after like 25 minutes into the recording, my mic worked fine. Super weird, but... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, apologize for the audio. Guys, hope you guys enjoy this as, as much as we enjoy making these. Um, like um, we say always, please send us in more questions. DM us or, or, or um, I don't know, if you have my number, text me. Um, I'm not going to give my number on here. That'd just be weird. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, enjoy this episode of Lightning Rounds. And before we get into this episode too, you're going to kind of jump in halfway um, into the recording. I had already introduced myself, and so did Hollow. Hollow is one of our uh, hosts, and he introduced himself. And we'll jump right in, and you'll hear Andrew. Andrew's going to intro himself, and we love Andrew. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Newman. That was fun. But we got another host with us. Why don't you intro yourself? For people okay. that might not know you, you red-haired beast, you uh, ruddied <laughs> giant slayer, it is I. Uh, <laughs> giant slayer? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just a normal, uh, overweight, middle-aged man. Uh, my name is Andrew Newman, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I live in, uh, live in California, haven't seen the beach all summer long, but I know it's there. But that's, yep, that's me in a nutshell. I did catch a shark the other night, I just want to say. I caught a leopard shark. It was like Ooh. five foot long. That's pretty cool. But that's that's about the coolest thing about me right now. Is that, that was a weird intro, but I'm going for it. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Hey. There you go. Yeah, so this is... So everyone that's listening, this is our sixth episode of our third season. We've come a long way, and I feel like we still have a long way to go. <laughs> that's what I feel like. Nope. <laughs> but for today, today's guest, we've got, and i got to keep coming up with new intros for you, okay? I can't use the other ones that I've used before, but I was kind of feeling a little 80s nostalgia. 80s cartoon nostalgia when I was coming up with this one. But when, when it comes to mind, you're the He-Man of theology, master of the universe. <laughs> Brendan McPeak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. Um, I'm definitely not that. I'm just a, I'm I'm with Andrew, dude. I'm just a simple man doing whatever a simple man can. You know what I mean? And uh, at some point, back in '08, I spent uh, a solid ten months of my life in barber school, and mm. my instructor was a Vietnamese dude named Brian. And uh, shout out to Brian. <laughs> He's right there in Westminster uh, making hot vit lawn, duck blood soup. And uh, thank you for that recipe. <laughs> and I hope everything's going well uh, in your male corral team. Brent, we're excited <laughs> to have you on, man. You bring such a joy and such... Uh, ah, it's hard. I feel like every guest that we have, I just want to make them permanent. Like, And then, our, and then we, just, we just end up having like 15 hosts on, uh, on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> we do what's never been done before. Yeah. <laughs> 
it could be just like like the Council of Elrond at that point. <laughs> there, we, wow. there we go. <laughs> yeah. The true Council of Elrond. Or the Jedi High Council. <laughs> if we ever do that, um, I call Waste Mindu. Ooh. Yeah, that's like the white counterpart to Mace Windu. Waste Mindu. Waste Mindu. <laughs> so if you guys see me meditating in the corner, just know what time it is. <laughs> that's Waste over there. All right, let's jump in. Let's jump into our segment. peek on and today's segment is called the mcwhat all right well today's segment uh mcdonald's has come out with a bunch of it will it, mcdonald's has a history an interesting history <laughs> you don't say okay. that really please tell history. us more <laughs> never have i heard such things <laughs> never have you heard such thing <laughs> Oh, well, what we have listed for today's segment is some pretty hilarious um, food items that have since been discontinued in the, um, how, 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 would you, how would I describe this? The, uh, the. McUniverse. Mc, McMultiverse. Uh, yeah, McMultiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Uni is just so one dimensional, you know? Oh, no, right. No, you're right. Uni is so. Narrow-minded. So, uh... Get with the times. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> Kick it off, senor. <laughs> first off, from the McUniverse. McMultiverse. Here we go. Onion nuggets. Before the chicken McNugget hit menus, McDonald's sold a vegetarian nugget made of deep-fried breaded onions. Exclusively available in select U.S. markets in 1978 and 79, the onion nugget was one of the first items to accompany the chain's most famous burgers and fries. Though it had its fans, the side dish never made it to the broader market. In the early 80s, the concept was redeveloped into bite-sized Chicken McNuggets customers know today. The onion nugget. The onion rig's ugly cousin. That's what I say. <laughs> the onion rig. <laughs> So that was the precursor to the McNugget. Yeah. That's like the McNugget's father. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. Like, you have so many things to choose from. Chicken, beef, you know. Yeah. It's funny that they started with the onion. But more power to them. It's gone. I'm kind of wishing it wasn't. Cause, it sounds mm, pretty good. I love onion rings. Mm -hmm. And I love chicken. And... A McNugget is the best form of chicken, in my opinion. <laughs> like, of all the forms that chicken, chicken takes. No, no, none okay. of that. All of right. of all forms of chicken. Barbecued chicken. When you make anything, you make make it better. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. <laughs> Speaking truth over here. If you guys want, I have another podcast called McHollows. Um, <laughs> that is the onion nugget. Glory, Ronald, number two. Oh, McDonald's himself. <laughs> All right, the McPizza. Oh, come on. McDonald's made a big bet on pizza in the late 1980s. The chain even went so far as to develop a quick cooking oven and widen their drive-through windows in order to serve the pies in the fast food setting. Despite their efforts, however, the item disappeared from the menus of most restaurants within a few years. There's a lone McDonald's in Orlando, Florida that still fights the good fight by not only continuing to offer the McPizza, but allowing customers to choose their own toppings. And today we stand in honor of the McDonald's in Orlando, Florida who is still fighting that fight. Come on. <laughs> Dude, the remnant. The remnant. Ten, <laughs> ten straw salute. Yeah, way to go, Orlando. <laughs> way to go. Shout out to Orlando, Florida right now. Also, how much are we talking modifying this window? You know what I mean? How big? Like, that must mean we're talking about full-size McPizzas mm. here. 
This isn't like a personal yeah. situation, dude. This is this must be a full yeah. size McPizza. Because a <laughs> personal McPizza, I feel like was just the size of two Big Macs sideways. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. Wow. You know what's great is the more you say McPizza, the more normal it sounds. Yeah. Like at first it hit me kind of weird, but now I keep hearing McPizza. And, and now we're going to Orlando. And now that's all I can say is McPizza. We talked about this. I already <laughs> have tickets for Orlando <laughs> coming at you this November. <laughs> they are booked. Um, shout out to Delta for making this dream happen. But I looked it up. I did look it up in the, in the meantime, in the past time, one of these times, the Mick time. <laughs> and not only is it just at the Orlando location, the Orlando location is the world's biggest McDonald's. Whoa. Are you kidding me? So not only am I going to fulfill my dream of <laughs> McPizza, I'm going to be, it's the, it's the Disneyland of wow. McDonald's. Wow. The McMecca? Ronald wow. McDonald himself. The McMecca. <laughs> I've never heard it put better the than McMega that. The McMecca Church? <laughs> so Orlando, I'm coming for it's you. The Joel Olstein of McDonald's? Mick Olstein. <laughs> it's kind. Of, it's kind of funny to look at that. Like these first two items were invented in the '80s and then discontinued. Like the '80s was an interesting decade, but it's making a comeback. It's Mick making a comeback. It sure is, bro. It sure is. The '80s were a time of exploration. I mean. We went to the moon. Wait, no, that was early. <laughs> but did we go? 60s. Did we go to the moon? Did we? But did we go to the moon? Exploration or expiration? Well, both. <laughs> you, you said expiration. No, no, no. That's just my California accent. Oh, okay. Expiration. 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 The mixed spaghetti. It's easy to see why mixed spaghetti <laughs> never reached the level of the Big Mac or the McNugget. Pasta and marinade in a box didn't translate as well to fast food service. Though it was discontinued in the United States of America, in the 1980s after first appearing in 1970, the dish can still be purchased at McDonald's in the Philippines. <laughs> Shout out to B. Mao. Shout out to B. Mao. <laughs> who, also, who also makes spaghetti a sweet treat. Yeah, if you've ever true. been there. I've, shout out to uh, Dumaghetti. I've been in the house. I've been to Manila. And the spaghetti in the Philippines had a, a lot of sweetness to it in the sauce. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mick spaghetti. I'm going to be honest. McPizza, I'm willing to change my last name to that. <laughs> Mick spaghetti, I'm off. I'm out on that one. Mick spaghetti's fine. I just picture a Big Mac box and I open it and it's just a sloppy jalop of spaghetti noodles yeah. and Mahdi yeah. Nod. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. That's okay. No, thank you. No. No, thank you. It makes me think of like the kids' menu spaghetti that they get yeah. at restaurants. They were like, they get a spaghetti. It's their version. That's what it and makes me think always of. Always cold. It's always gross. Always it's cold. always gross. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say no to that one too. I'm going to say McNo. <laughs> yeah, it's a big no for me. <laughs> All right. And rounding, rounding it on number four. Here we go. Take us home, dude. The Snickerdoodle McFlurry. In 2019, McDonald's released a new McFlurry flavor for the holiday season. The Snickerdoodle McFlurry featured crunchy cookie pieces mixed into a vanilla soft serve base. Despite the product's positive reception, it was only available for a limited time. Sadly, today, McFlurry, McFlurry fans have to choose from one of the classic flavors like Oreo or M&M's around the holidays, at least on days when the machine that makes them is working. <laughs> hey, so I saw, I saw Mythbusters on that, on the, the McMachine breaking down. Yeah, and they said straight up, they just interviewed like six different McDonald's employees, and they were like, Oh, no, that thing never has broken one time. We just don't feel like uh, cleaning it after the shift is over. So we clean it at like 6 p.m. and just tell everybody it's broken. Oh. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that makes a lot mm, more I sense. I think there's so much deception within McDonald's don't right you? now. Yeah, yeah man. Why, why send forth your best mm. in the McFlurry snickerdoodle? 
and then pull it back. Yep. I bet you M and M's and Oreo had made some kind of contract. Mm-hmm. Somebody signed something. Oh wow! And You're then they deep, and then they dude. took out the Snickerdoodle guys. Wow! Wow! There's conspiracy blood, right bloody there. Snickerdoodle hands. Espionage. Mix. That's a conspiracy right there, dude. It is, dude. Mix espionage. Some would say they pull a Mickey Raya <laughs> as they put it forward and then pull back. <laughs> Something's going on. Little David and Bathsheba. <laughs> Keep this biblical. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow! I just see Ronald McDonald's face from behind a bush. Like, yeah, take that snicker with a sniper deal. rifle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love McDonald's. I once, um, <laughs> I have no shame in saying it. I once, uh, do you remember in the Facebook days of yore when you would post every like I'll do one push up? Do you remember when that yeah. went around? Oh, yeah. I do. And every, or like, I'll do a sit-up for every like this gets. All my friends were doing it. And I said, I'll eat one McNugget for every like. And it went on to get 113 likes, <laughs> which wow. was, that was pretty high in, in my day. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> so I got 113 likes. And to this day, my sister-in-law, she's like, when are you going to do it? Oh, you still haven't done still it? Still haven't done it. I've oh, eaten wow. 40 McNuggets. Yeah. That's but normal. Uh, hundred. That's normal. That's normal. 113 <laughs> When, when this podcast goes big one day and it's no longer just my mom listening, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it live. I just made a promise. I might kill myself in the process accidentally eating all the pink. We'll have your blood pressure chicken. medication. Yeah, we'll ready. have a professional on site. Yeah. Well, being that you already broke your promise from the Facebook post. I, mean, I didn't break it. I just, another I just haven't done it yet. I just yeah, haven't. I, it's just we're in a a different. Um, haven't gotten around to it yet. Make multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> we're just waiting to get back to that mm. one. Oh, sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I'm just bummed that I'll never be able to be on a late night creep looking for a little McFlurry. You know what I mean? And tell my boys as I'm leaving, like, "Hey, anybody want to roll? I'm gonna go get a McSnick," <laughs> because I feel like. That's a that's a clean mm. that's a clean nickname right there, dude. You know in your mind he's going to McDonald's to get a Snickerdoodle McFlurry. But all I gotta say is, yo, mm. anybody trying to roll, I'm trying to get a McSnick right now. Mm. I'm bummed that I'll never be able to say that. I feel like it. It sounds like a, a like a prison nickname too. Yeah, like, it does. You know, I'm I'm Cheesy J, and this is yeah. my boy McSnick. <laughs> yeah, say what's up, McSnick. Cheesy J. <laughs> I'm more concerned with the first name you gave, Cheesy J. Let's just hope Andrew never goes to prison. He shows up. Hey, what's up, guys? I hail from Santa Ana. Oh, yeah, man, what's your name? Cheesy J. Cheesy J. What? What's the backstory? I love cheese, yo. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cheesy J. Like I was saying, I'm just a middle-aged white man. (laughs) Overweight. Reconcile Genesis 6, verse 6, where it says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him to his heart, to the sovereign plan of giving his son for us. Boom. We're talking about regret. We're talking about does God regret, and how you reconcile that to the sovereign plan of of the Father sending the Son for us. Wow. This is a giant question. It is. <clears throat> Can I say something though? Yeah, start us off. I feel like um I feel like these are the kind of questions where when first posed, you pause and think, "Oh my gosh, dude. The whole paradigm just cracked in half. How is this possible? Somebody help me reconcile these two thoughts." And sometimes when you zoom way in on the, just the immediate text, 
Those kind of things can happen. You'll be like, but wait a second. I thought God couldn't change his mind. Or I thought Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. But, you know, a simple, a simple thing to remember is text, context, and whole text. Sometimes you're zoomed in a little too far. You ever do that with your phone? Trying to take a selfie? All you see is one singular nose hair? And you're like, what is this? I can't figure this out. Zoom out and you're like, oh, it's my face. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those instances in love. I mean, I get it. I've been there too. But uh, if you just zoom out a little bit and weigh it in the context of what's going on around it and in the whole text of who we know about God and who he is, it, it makes a lot more sense. And it's a lot less scary. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do that. I, 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 agree, I agree with you there. I think a good place to, to kind of kick this conversation off or this discussion off is, um, you know, God is infinite mm-hmm. and we are his creation. We are finite. There is a limit to our knowledge. There is a limit to our um, understanding. I, I would even stretch to say that the the entirety of who God is cannot be understood by us as creation fully exhaustively understood because he is incomprehensible you know brand one of your favorite psalms psalm 145 right says great is the lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable right his his understanding is is beyond um beyond knowledge and and, and another verse that i wrote down just kind of kicking this idea of understanding god is um Job 2014. Listen to what Job says. It's really interesting here. He says, How small a whisper do we hear of God, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job says, What we do understand is such a small whisper in comparison to the thunder of the power that is that is that is beyond our understanding. And so I, I think something to kind of just just kind of kick it off, kick off this discussion. There, there are things that we can know about God's character. Um, his ways that's revealed in scripture, right? That we, that, that are understandable, but there are aspects to God. Um, or uh, let me put it this way. We can know some things about God that are true, but exhaustively we cannot know everything of his character and his ways because we are not God. Would you guys agree? Disagree on that? Oh yeah, I fully agree. I think, um, also you'll, you'll hear a term, uh, regarding this text as, um, anthropomorphic, yeah, which is like attributing to God human traits or characteristics in order for man to understand what we're even talking about. I don't think that is completely a, like a one for one. Like this is just somebody trying to help a mere human understand. I think there is a weight to the scripture itself. But I think that's definitely part of it is, yeah, we, we say things like, you know, he stretches out his hand and all of the cosmos fits inside of it. I, yeah, I don't think necessarily God the Father's hand is this exact size. I, I think that's speaking of his control and mastery over everything as God. Um, but that's a, term, that's a term that you'll hear in regards to things like this, where we're trying to understand God. So we say it's like a mother hen trying to gather her chicks or it's like, you know, there's different things that we try to try to do to understand. But yeah, I mean, Job also says in that, in that same, a couple of chapters later, he says, cause he questions God. He's like, what did I ever do, man? And then the Lord shows up. And the first thing Job says is I spoke once. I won't speak again. I've spoken things too wonderful for me to understand. He's like, when you put it that way, when the Lord reveals himself and shows him a millisecond of a snapshot of a day in the life of God, Job's like, I'm out. I spoke, I spoke too soon. I spoke too much. Too wonderful for me to understand. I'm, I'm just going to fall on my face and act as if I'm dead at this point.
Um, so maybe you keep the anthropomorphic thing, maybe you don't. But I'm just gonna say this. So we we can't forget that this text immediately lies inside of a context, and the context lies inside of the entire Bible, right? So the text, the immediate text here says the word the word there when it says that God was sorry, or in the Old King James, God repented, right? which should be a huge buzzword if you know the character of God. The Hebrew word is necham. You got to put the lugi in the middle on the H. <laughs> and it means a lot of different things. It means to feel sorry for ever having done. It means to repent sometimes in scripture. It means um, to console oneself or to comfort others. These are all words that it means. But the most accurate um, definition of the word in this context is a strong breath to pro- to sigh. Literally, it's it's God taking a deep breath in extreme pain. He was hurt. He was grieved in his heart. And you know, Andrew and I were talking earlier about God fully has emotions. We see him emote all throughout Scripture. That he longed. That he was grieved. That he was stoked. That you know what I mean. So this is an example of. The, the writer is trying to convey deep grief, mm-hmm. like, like a pain in his chest, like a deep breath that you draw in agony, like, oh, I never would have wanted this for you. But I think it's important, <laughs> you know, and I hope this isn't going too far. The, the text says what it says. And I think it's, it's meant to convey that thought. I think we are supposed to let it settle on our souls that God was sorry that he ever made us because of what he was seeing on earth. I think part of that truth has to settle on your soul and you have to wrestle with that and go, my goodness, I grieved the God of the universe that bad. And it should lead us to repentance. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be something that we're comfortable with at all. I don't want to just make it cute and say, oh, you know, he just took a deep breath. (laughs) It's like, no, it's like, it's like that breath where you're like, oh man this hurts so bad yeah and i think we have to let it hit us that in the best way we can understand in human terms god was sorry like he was bummed he ever did it right yeah i think the question too it comes up i think is god fallible is like really what this is talking about too does god make mistakes so in the creation of the world and God's like, oh man, oops. <laughs> I don't think it's an oops moment where God's like, oh no, I shouldn't have done this. I regret it. I don't think it's that. Okay. So because in the entirety of scripture, we know that God is infallible. Right. Even in Job, uh, Zach mentioned Job's story. I, I'm sure Job in his grief as he's scraping boils off of his arms with a piece of, you know, shattered pottery. Pot, yeah. He's going, God made a mistake. Like he forgot about me or oh, he got he me confused. It. Yeah. And I think every person goes through that at some point in their life, like where God's made a mistake, like he forgot about me. Hmm. And when you look at the entirety of scripture, where the scripture tells us about God and that is the authority, right? That is the authority of who God is, is what scripture says about him because God is the author and writing it about himself, that God doesn't make mistakes. Um, he never makes a mistake. I mean, Psalm one forty five seventeen. I mean, you can go on and on about God's infallible nature. Yeah. Right. But here, you have this snapshot of like God's plan. How does God's How does God's regret or how does God's sorrow fit into like His plan of redemption? Mm. But I think too, you have to look like you're saying the context of what was going on in the world at this time. Heavy. It was incredible incredibly wicked yes. that every intent right that verse is key every intent of man's heart was to do evil like every every thought every action was evil um there was giants in the land which is another topic for another time like or perhaps today maybe that there's <laughs> giants there's these horrible wicked things going on the one that gets me okay so I think even more than this text, it's the Exodus one where we're going to talk about it. It's the Exodus one where the nation of Israel has made a golden calf and they're like dancing around it. 
God's presence is on the mountain. Mm -hmm. And he tells Moses, like, get down the mountain. The people are doing wicked things again. Um, and God basically says to Moses, like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm walking away. Um, I'm going to light all these people on fire. Like, I'm going to destroy them all. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm leaving. Like, I'm done. And Moses stands in the gap and says, like, no, you said, God, you would never. These are your people. Like, and he begins to call God, like, he basically tells him, like, you said this and you said this. Okay, that one has always been really interesting to me. Is that, is God making a mistake here? And was God about to leave and Moses is calling him back? And, me, and God's like, you're right, you're right. You talked me off the ledge. <laughs> no, there's yeah. more going on in the story. There's more happening. And, and you mentioned God's working in Moses as a leader too, yeah. personally as he is uh, a God of judges, everyone. But, but throughout scripture, we know from what scripture says that God is infallible. He doesn't make mistakes. Right. So these two things, how do you reconcile this part of Genesis 6, 6 or 6, 8? And how do we reconcile God's plan of salvation? We don't have to reconcile friends. Like these two yeah, things coincide. Uh -huh. They're, they're not opposing forces. God's when he breathes out that word also can mean deep grief of compassion. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, we see his mercy and salvation of mankind through Noah. Yeah. Like he still provides salvation through this family and the story continues. And so I still, you still see the compassion of God and the mercy of God in that he saves this family um, and continues on to save, you know, the rest of the world um, through, through Christ that would come. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important too, to remember not only is God infallible by nature, he's good by nature. Mm -hmm. So you have to say, oh, you know, does this, is this in harmony with the goodness of God? Job, for example, like we've been talking about him a lot. The Lord allows Job to go through a lot of stuff, right? Like he's in agony for a long time, for a lot of chapters. Job is just suffering. And Job is like, he's getting to the point where he's like, man, you know, you don't even care. Like, I never sinned against you. Like, I don't have, you don't have a case against me. And he starts getting to the point where he's like, I need answers, right? He starts questioning God. Like, I, dude, I need answers. And he even makes this, this claim that he says, man, if I could walk in a courtroom, if there was some kind of divine courtroom that me and you could have a session in, I would walk in there like a prince mm. because I got nothing. You got nothing against me. Now, we know God's infallible and we know he's good. At the end of the story of Job, God doesn't provide Job with a single answer. He doesn't ever say like, well, Job, uh, you know, Satan came into uh, the heavens and asked me if he could uh, run amok on you. And he said he, that you would turn. So I rolled the dice and said you wouldn't. And uh, hey, it looks like I won. You know what I mean? <laughs> he doesn't give him any answers. And so you have to know, okay, well, if God is a good God, what does he do to Job? When Job questions him and thinks that he's got a case against God, which anybody would say he had a case against, why would, why would you let Job go through that? God doesn't give him an answer. God gives him himself. God reveals his character to Job. He says, let me remind you who I am, how powerful I am, all the things that I'm working unbeknownst to anybody. I know where that goat is going to go lay its young. I know where this eagle goes behind the mountain. I can hook a Leviathan if I wanted to. I can <laughs> control the weather. I know where the sea stops. I hung the universe. And, he, and that's what settles Job in his heart. He says, oh my goodness, I got a closer look at who God is, and now I have no case to bring against him. He's that powerful. He's that good. And all I have, to, I, I spoke things too wonderful for me to understand. I'm going to fall on my face and only offer now a posture of worship because how foolish was I to think that I had a case against you? He sees God for who he is and just a very small snippet of who he is and what goes on in his life. So I have to believe that God in Moses at that point 
was doing something in him as well, was producing something in Moses that would develop some kind of character or go on to uh, change the way that he loved and cared for the people of God. You know, I think, I think we have to remember that God is also, he's, he's the God of man, but also the God of a single man as well. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes we get snapshots into God working with one of his sons specifically, and we can't make that interaction the rule for everybody ever, right? It's like, well, that's how the Lord was dealing with him in that moment right there. And just like a father would, you have to say he knows his children better than I do. And he's good. <laughs> and he doesn't make mistakes. So I'm going to have to trust him on it. guys say that when God experiences emotions that he experiences them with absolute divine perfection that yes. like in the ins in the instance that like when he is grieved he is only grieved for that which is absolutely grievous absolutely so like it, it's it's so it's almost in the sense that as he is an emotional God as we kind of been talking about through um, through the meaning of whether whether it's you're right, you said Andrew in the King James it says repent, or um, reading. I, I have the ESV and I also have the CSB up here, and they both say regret. It, it's trying. It's expressing this emotion that um, that God has, but it, it, it's almost as if it, it, it's he's 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 unchangeable, right? We've been talking about that. He 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 never moves, and uh, I kind of almost heard it put this way that it's it's like god's attitude towards sin and towards wickedness has always been the same right. it's never changed and his attitude towards obedience and towards righteousness has always been the same it, it's us who changes direction right it, it's like when you're sailing into the wind the wind's against you as opposed to when you're sailing with the wind at your back you feel like the wind is for you and it's not that the wind has changed it's that you have changed. And so even as he experiences these these emotions, he's experiencing, um, drawing it back to Genesis 6, right? He's, forgive me for restating if you guys had already mentioned this, but the context of, of Genesis 6, right? You read in, in, in 5, you know, the, after these generations, after God had created the earth in his perfection, he said it was good, right? And this is kind of the this is kind of the culmination of sin that is that has been infected into his good creation. We see it culminating here in chapter 6, verse 5, which is the verse right before that, right? Where he says where he saw humanity's wickedness and it was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. That's how the CSB reads it. And so he sees that... <laughs> what he created was good. God created goodness. And then in man's authority that he's given to humanity and, and the, the power that he's given to humanity, that that has been tainted by sin and humanity is using their authority and their power not to seek good, not to create good, but what? To further create wickedness and evil. And 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 so going, going against the wind, you could say, going against um, uh, God's goodness in this. And, um, I think that to me, that's, that's super fascinating because like, like what you guys have been saying, um, throughout and kind of, you know, going from Exodus and, and Job and these different pictures, when you look at contextually of, of the Bible and even just of this passage, uh, and even just reading up to passage, uh, chapter six, you see the, 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 the story kind of paints this contrast of where we see God is grieving over humanity's sin, but humanity is not grieving over their own sin. Right. And I think that's kind of interesting that we see God is repenting for their sin. He is sorrowful for their sin. He is 
experiencing that grief, that regret over their sin. But mankind is not regretting the fact of, of their wickedness. Mankind is, is blindly continually continuing to indulge in every sinful practice and thought. And so God acts upon this emotion of grief, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that's, to, to me, that, that it's like, I don't know, to me, when I was studying for this, I was like, man, that's, that's really interesting to see that. Um, to not lose the, the side of, um, you know, because we don't want to build theology off of one verse. Um, we don't want right. to, you know, because that, that, that's how cults start. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's how, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how... Um, you know, there's another podcast that's out there called Cultish. That's actually a really interesting podcast by these reformed guys that that kind of break down cults in um, um, in the world. And one of their catchphrases is "bad theology kills," and it's yeah. kind of true um, yeah. that people who twist scripture um, it 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 affects humanity in in a, in a really bad way. So we don't want to do that um, here, but we want to see that the, the the kind of the overarching theme that we're seeing here is that everything that God created that is good. And there's these contrasts that are constantly being put placed between humanity and God, humanity and God. And here we see God grieving for sin, but humanity's not. I was just thinking, kind of a, a side note too. You you have that picture of yeah, they're they're not repentant. Um, but in contrast, I think you have Jonah where God says, I will destroy Nineveh in 40 days. And I don't know if this is off off topic, but I was just thinking about that where he says, I'm going to do it. And does that mean God changed his mind and said, Oh, you know what? Actually they repented. But then thinking about that, the same thing goes for us. Um, Mm. the wages of sin is death. Yes. We already, committed sin therefore we should receive death but the gift of god is eternal life it's not that god says oh you know what i had death plans for you but you said the right thing i changed my mind (laughs) it's always been a part of god's plan and i think looking back at the beginning noah is a part in god's whole story so god has already had a plan past that so yeah looking at the character and the plans of god we could say you know what just because that one word doesn't change the whole story no no, it's 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 just that same thing of the wind. Like when you are living in wickedness, you are going against the wind. But like in Jonah's story, the Ninevites, they were going against God's ways. But what happened? What turned them? They turned. God didn't turn. Right. They turned in repentance. And then the wind of, of revival was on their back. Right. Mm-hmm. And think of Jesus too, when he when he came to Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wept for them. He was grieved for them. And so he took drastic steps to, you know, drastic steps towards to counteract the wickedness of mankind, Mm -hmm. which was his death and sacrificial death upon the cross. Right. In the same way, when God is was grieved here, he's expressing his need to take specific drastic action to counteract Mm -hmm. the wickedness of mankind. So I think, um, you know, you see when God breathes or God speaks, Jesus comes forth, uh-huh. right? He's the word of God. And so when we saw Jesus act, we saw, we saw the character of God. God grieves over sin. God grieves over, over those things. And so, um, but I think Holly, you made a good point. Like that was part of God's plan. It's part of him. And so these aren't two different things. These aren't, we're not talking about God's, you know, you know, did he make a mistake here and then decided, you know, oh, okay, I'll, I'll restart. Right. No, this, these are the same thing, same God. He's always had this plan. Um, but like you're saying, this deep sadness and grief over what he loves and what he created yeah. and what he made them for, you know, like, this is not what I made you for. Mm. This is not what I intended for you. Um, I had so much more for you and, and this is what you've chosen over me. Um, that was always the case in humanity. Like they always choose something other than God. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have something so much more than more for you. And they're like, well, we choose Molech or we'll choose, you know, Aphrodite and like whatever. And God's like, seriously, these statues. And like, you have me, you know, it's always been the case. 
Yeah, dude, it goes back to the garden, bro. Oh. It goes all the way back to the garden where God says, everything here you can fully enjoy mm. and take. Except this one, this one tree, just this one tree, just, just not that. And, you know, we did. <laughs> like we always do. But, you, but yeah. you know, you made a good point, Andrew. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. I mean, what is it? Colossians says, in him the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell. And we see the nature of God in the nature of Christ. And, and you think about the, the pinnacle, the crux of human history at the cross. And what do you see from Jesus? Yeah. Of course, of course he's grieved. You know what I mean? Like, of course yeah. he's seeing the depravity of his creation. But what does he say, though? He says, man, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm. And I think that so much sums up the heart of God towards us. Is like, mm. if only you guys knew what you were doing. If only you would have realized I made you for community with me. Like, I made you to enjoy this relationship and we said no nah, we're gonna sever that relationship no nah, we're gonna choose something else no nah, we're gonna choose an inanimate object yeah. or a place or a yeah. thing or anything lower and the lord's like man yeah. and, and you know it should give you comfort if this is something that you've genuinely been wrestling with like does god go back and forth on his plans is he is he corruptible you know these kind of things just remember I, I think part of the reason the Bible makes it clear that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid is so that you know, yes, there is perfect forethought. Yes, mm -hmm. God's plan has been in place since before you even existed. Yeah. And you could, take, you could take solace in that. You can rest in the fact that God is good and he was already making a way for reconciliation before we ever even fell. Yeah. Well... We, you see that I don't know if you got did you guys already mention the passage in first Samuel no no I don't think so no well, uh, well you see you see the same word used in first Samuel when um right there's a story of Saul Saul's made king right um Saul's made king and uh over Israel and and it's and it's actually really sweet what what Samuel tells Saul right he says like Saul starts off so well right he starts off so well and, and like Samuel even tells him and encourages him like, Hey, do whatever the Lord has put in your hands to do. Cause God's with you. And he starts off really well. But when it comes to Saul, um, first Samuel 15 and, and Saul fails in, in meeting the, uh, the fails in being obedient to the call of God to, um, slay the King Agag and that those the enemies of God's people there in first Samuel 15, God speaks to Samuel and he says, he uses the same word that we find in, in Genesis 6 of regret. He says, I regret that I made Saul king for he turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. But what's so crazy in this passage is in the same chapter later as Saul, you know, is, is really, um, he's clinging onto Samuel's robe and he tears it, right? He's like, please no speak blessing over me. Don't, don't reject me from the kinghood. He's trying to like gather all of his, you know, what he can. Um, and as he tears, uh, Samuel's robe, Samuel speaks this, this to, to Saul in, in verse 28 and 29. He says, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. For he is not a man that he should have regret. So it's like, it's the same, like, crazy, like, you're like, wait, that's a, is that a contradiction that he regretted that he made Saul king? But then, like, a couple verses later, Samuel says, God doesn't regret because he's not like man that he should regret. Mm. You know, and you're like, but, but it's, but what you're, the point that you're, well, the reason why I brought that up is because the point you were bringing at, um, at, at Bren where Jesus Christ is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. This has always been God's plan. His, his foreknowledge, his, um, his plan from the beginning has always been this, you know, the cross was not a hail Mary pass in fourth quarter in the two minute warning, you know, trying to save humanity and like, I, okay, we're sending in the big guns. We're sending in my son to do it. Cause you know, <laughs> nothing else is working, man. It's just completely simple. Um, but this is just, this has always been 
has always been the plan. Um, Galatians 4, um, 4 speaks of that. Paul says of that. He says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. You know, another translation would say that when the set time had fully come in the NIV, um, God had always had this purpose, this set time um, to be fulfilled in Christ. His plan had always been to redeem humanity by sending his son. Um, it was it was no accident, you know, um, for this. Uh, the cross was not an accident that happened to Christ. Even he would even tell, right? He wouldn't say, no one takes my life from me, but I freely give it. to this question is you're zooming in too far just like yeah. Bren said um, you know you, you could look at parts of the Bible and be like Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and he had a thousand concubines <laughs> hey <laughs> therefore <laughs> I'm gonna be like Solomon like you're you're zooming yeah. in too far trying to be wise you're getting that nose hair when you're trying to get the whole selfie yeah and the whole picture the whole face of god yeah. <laughs> and you're looking at it yeah. with the wrong perspective and I, I think that that is the greatest answer right there bren finished this podcast in his first 10 words <laughs> <laughs> so well, that, uh, that is right. a law that is a law of bible interpretation mm-hmm. like a scripture interpretation you have to interpret it not just with one verse or one word. You have to interpret it within the entirety of Scripture. It's, right, right. It's a good rule to have, and it's actually a law of interpretation. Um, so yeah, those it's a good of you hermeneutic, who read your Bible, right? it's good hermeneutic. You have to interpret Scripture with the entirety of Scripture involved. Mm-hmm. You can't just, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth, or, or just, you know, one instance here, one instance there. So Right, right. Because then you're just playing Bible roulette. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just, here yeah. we go. This is what God meant. Yep. Because I flipped my Bible. Also, I read something here um, that I thought was really good, a, a really good um, explanation, another explanation of the word regret. You know, we talked about like being grieved or pained. Um, but it says, it's possible to experience grief and regret as used here without implying error. Any parent who has held a crying, upset child as they receive a shot or a dose of something has experienced exactly that. Such a parent is grieved over the pain but has no illusions that this was the wrong decision. Mm. Um, I remember. Mm, I don't know, dude. Zach. Is that the COVID vaccine, though? What are you it's talking the COVID. No, no. no. <laughs> this <laughs> is the mark of the beast. <laughs> That's a different. One. Is that no. the mark of the beast that you're talking about, dude? I don't know. That one, yeah, we'll regret that one. No, <laughs> no, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like when you when you discipline your child and they're crying, you feel pain for them, but that yeah. doesn't change your decision for. Do I? For oh, discipline, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were. Except for we Andrew. Were in Yo- Cold, red <laughs> heart. <laughs> oh, man. We were in Yosemite when Eileen was six months old, remember? And she ended up getting super sick. We had to go to their emergency oh, room at like goodness. two in the morning, which was like three That's hours sad. away. And they're trying to draw blood from a six month old. Oh. And they couldn't find her vein. They poked her like nine times. Whoa. And she is screaming and she's looking at me. And she was already, she was eight months old. She was already saying daddy. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she's like, daddy. And I, oh, dude, yeah. I, I lost it in yeah. that ER. And at that point, man, I experienced regret. Yeah, like, oh. But not regret in like, I wish I never had you. <laughs> you know? It's not that or kind of regret. You to the hospital. It, it, yeah, it's this pain of like, I hate that you're going through this. I hate that this is happening. And you'd do anything. You'd take it for for them if you could. And what did you say Jesus did? And he did. Ooh. Yeah, took it for us. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and wow. To add to that, to add to that story, Hall, the the love, the same love that holds her little arm while they're trying to draw blood nine times because you know it's for her best, is the same love that, you know. Gives her those kisses on the cheek in the morning when she wakes up. It's, it's the same heart of the father. Yeah. Both are for her good, right? Mm. And if you just zoomed in on one instance, you'd be like, this guy's, 
this guy's a terrible dad. Look at him holding his eight month down while they're trying to poke her with needles. And you zoom out and you go, oh, because she was sick. Mm. Oh, because they had, oh, I understand. Oh, he's a good father and he loves mm. her and he's wow. doing what's best for her. If you get tripped up, man, just start zooming out. Who, what, where, what's going on here? Who are these yeah. people? Why, why is this happening? Just keep zooming out. It probably will yeah. tell you more. Let's not forget. It took Noah how long to build that ark? 120 years? Yeah, so about 100 so years. not only did... It wasn't like next week. God's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm done. Bada bing, bada boom. Flood. You're all dead. 120 years of Noah going out faithfully every day too while he's building and saying, repent, the flood is coming. Facts. Like, so there's mercy, yeah. There's mercy. There was even opportunity for mercy. Like mm-hmm. the door was open to that boat. Yep. For for 120 years, that that door was open. Mm. And then wow. finally, it closed. Long suffering. It finally closed. Yep. And God's like, it's sealed. It's done. It's closed. I I think I remember hearing someone talk about that Andrew and and um, say that you know God is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He's uh, omniscient, but he is not omnipatient. Um, in the sense that his, <laughs> right? Isn't that funny? That's a good word like he has long, I mean, praise the Lord that he has long suffering, but even yeah. like you speak today, he is coming again. Like we bring it back to 2022. He yeah, is yeah. coming again. His patience will not last forever, that there will be a time where he will judge wickedness. He will judge sinners, you know? And, um, we see that even displayed there in, in, um, in the flood, uh, narrative that, you know, uh, there was opportunity. I mean, that, that's so good, Andrew. I never even thought about that, that the door was open for 100 years, 120 years yeah. until he closed it. Wow. That's a long and time. I think, I, think what solves, I think what solves the whole zooming in perspective is like it's, it's good to read your Bible and to meditate and to, and to, and to pull those things out from, um, oh, yeah. from Scripture. But like, hey, try reading the Bible like uh, me and Andrew and Hollow tried, tried doing it in 30 days, right? Like read oh, the whole gosh. Bible in 30 days. And when I did that, my mind was blown at just like the overarching theme of the message of the Bible, of, of how of, of man's wickedness and depravity and sin and God's mercy and patience and salvation and redemption over and over and over. And, and you know, that, 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 that could be a good remedy to somebody that might be like hung up on just zooming in on so many things and kind of getting lost is, is, um, uh, yeah, like read it as a whole, like sit down, read the whole book of Genesis, <laughs> you know, right. and, um, and, and, and then look at that question. Don't just stop reading and then, and just zoom in on that one question, but read the whole entirety of it and, and see, um, what God was doing here. I mean, this story is, is so interesting. This is kind of like a side note. But, you know, in the flood, the flood is God's decreation. He's decreating what, what he created, right? He destroys, he, he preserves mankind, the mercies of God, but but he destroys all living things, right? All um, mankind, all, bir- uh, all birds in that sense of and beasts of the field are destroyed by water. The, the land is the land is covered right with water, which when you go back to Genesis one, what what happened? It was yeah. it was the 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 world was just water was cha- was chaos, and then even then, it's, when you go to the end of the of the story of um, of the flood, that it says that when the rain stopped, it says God caused a wind to blow over the face of the waters. What that sounds a lot like, which that same word is ruach, which is the word that's used for spirit in in Genesis one two, where it says God's spirit hovered over the, the face of the waters. So he's he's recreate there's like a recreation that happens through Noah. Noah's is Noah is kind of like the restart of this is the this is another Adam. I'm trying to redeem humanity. But and you, you see that picture, that theme throughout all of scripture 
until it gets the perfect Adam, Christ. Because um, Noah, Noah, Noah fails though too, right? He he plants yeah. a garden. He's tending a garden, and he and Woo. he falls through what? A fruit of the garden. Yep, that's right. He fails. He fails, and then the, a curse is given to who? His children, from Man. him failing, and his children, so his descendants, and then boom. Oh, dude, it's like when you Come look on, at it dude. as a whole, you're like. You you see that God has had a plan throughout all of this. I mean, this is a little bit of a side note. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into that. But no, that's just really interesting too when you note. look at that. Yeah, and hey, finish the story, bro. Perfect <laughs> Adam. He's in a garden too, bro. It's called Gethsemane. Come on. Come on. Come and on. he's surrounded. And what are we doing? We're snoring. <laughs> We're sawing logs. And he's like, you know what? I'll beseech the Father on your behalf. I'll still mm-hmm. go for it. If there's another way to do this, make it clear, do something else. And he doesn't. That Adam never eats of the fruit. That Adam goes in perfect obedience to the tree, but not the tree Come of on. the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the cross dies Come and on. makes atonement for man, invites us into the final garden, the perfect garden, heaven, and says, this door is going to be open only for so long come through mm. oh yeah. well, come jesus on said, i am the door let's go jesus said i am yep. the door. that's my favorite i am statement <laughs> let's go door. yeah i am the door he's bro. the door he's the ark come on <laughs> drop the mic just push the mic swing the mic i am the door the door's open yeah and even that is just like it just i mean it reminds me of of paul in Romans, he's he describes the the grandeur of salvation right through um, all of those chapters, even getting up to Israel and how God's not done with the with the Jews. That how God is still has a plan for them. He still um, has a purpose for them. And then at the end in, in Romans eleven, I have this verse written right here. After he lists that history of God's plan of redemption, he bursts into praise, and he says, "Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God." How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Like even then as he looks at the whole plan of salvation and we could even see it from garden to garden that we even say, wow, Lord, how deep are, is your wisdom and the riches of your knowledge and how even still as we only know this in part, how still unsearchable your love, your redemption is towards humanity and towards the ways in which you ordain it all. It's, ugh, it's. So there's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Zach's losing his mind in his closet. I'm right losing now. my yeah. mind right now. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my, my I'm preaching to shirts in a closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm preaching to the a video. Jason Witten jersey. <laughs> I wish you could see what we're seeing. It's him we, just like, we need to do a video up, podcast. Staring up into the sky. <laughs> we're in our garage. <laughs> Zach's in a closet. It's We're good. on a couch. Bren's throwing mics around. It's, <laughs> this is a beautiful moment. If you could only see. <laughs> Zach's in a wardrobe going through to Narnia. Serious, dude. <laughs> see Mr. Tumnus peek out in the back. <laughs> Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> oh, man, dude. Oh. Anyways, that, that was probably one of my favorite questions that we've done in a long time. That was a I just because that just gets into the story of redemption, which I mean, I yeah. we could talk about it all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's just. I think we have. I think we have. Been talking. <laughs> Started at eight thirty. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging with us today on Lightning Rounds. I, I think we all should say thank you to to whoever asked that question. That was a really that's a really Great deep question. question. I really appreciate thank that you. one. Yeah. Thanks, that was Emma. A, thanks, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, wife. <laughs> Sending that in, getting all blurry. I mean, we didn't even get into the first couple verses of six, which gets blurry. Sure didn't. But uh, part two, bro. I know. <laughs> I was uh, ready, dude. Just how wicked I know. was it? Like I know how wicked. Also, it's was interesting it? that you said that uh, Noah was a pres- preservation of mankind. Mm. I thought that was. Mm. I thought that was an interesting choice of word, Zach. As opposed to you like that DNA mixing. <laughs> We're we're going there the seed next wars. podcast. Ned, po- the next seed podcast. wars, man. Seed wars. Yeah, yeah. Still the seed, going. the seed of the woman is at enmity with the seed of the serpent, and you see that throughout all scripture, right? 
I just got chills. Ooh. Come on. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. Hey, well, thanks. If you if you kept up with us this long, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for thanks for bearing uh, this weight of listening to us <laughs> ramble on. Yeah. <laughs> and for for your patience and for your uh, for your love, I'd like to give the people a, a little selection, if you wouldn't mind, Zach. Please Let's do it. Please do. <clears throat> Jesus, wash me in the washing machine. Oh, 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 he washed me in the washing machine. My Jesus washed me in the washing machine. Blood detergent, he washed me clean. Just for you. Wow. Come on. Blood detergent, wash me clean. (laughs) Wow. That's a first. That was the lightning rounds first right there. And there it is. (laughs) I got to cut it off right here because it's 10 o'clock and I'm about to go get a mixed knit. (laughs) (laughs) Cheesy J. (laughs) Cheesy J. Watch out for Cheesy J, man. Uh, All right, guys. Well, thanks thanks for listening to lightning rounds. Um, Share this episode, please. If you enjoyed it, you feel like someone's going to enjoy it too, uh, post it, share it, get the word out. Um, that definitely uh, encourages us to keep going on in this thing. And um, like always, you can find us on Instagram, lightning.rounds.podcast. You can also send us in your questions there, um, any deep questions that you might have. Or if you don't do social media and you're feeling trendy and you're like, you know what? You can send us an email, asklightningrounds at gmail.com. Boom. That's it. Okay. We'll see you on the next episode. Yep. yep. See you. See you guys. See you guys.